Welcome to our second installment of Minisodes, scary stories submitted by you, fictional or real. This one is going to be called Sarah. (laughs) Submitted by our friend Sarah. It's just going to be called Sarah. Sarah, Sarah. Yeah, that's good. I'm ready for this. All right, so I'm just going to read it as she wrote it. I'm, I'm going to say a lot of eyes, but this is not me. This is Sarah. All right. I did not have a near-death experience, but my little sister Martha did. It happened during a Wednesday night Bible study at church. Like all good parents in the 90s, we were left to fend for ourselves in the nursery with only the 10 to 12-year-olds to watch us. So we did what kids do when they're at church. We snuck out and went to the park across the street, which we were definitely told not to do. This was an old school park with metal slides, a rickety metal carousel, and metal baby swings. Remember those? They were heavy and had a latch that would pinch you if you weren't careful. At some point, my little sister, who was about four or five at the time, walked in front of one of those swings while it was being used. It hit her on the head, and she was knocked out cold. I vividly remember all of us older kids stopping and looking at each other with the, oh shit, we're, we're in so much trouble. I think we all know that, that yeah. feeling. Haven't we all almost killed a sibling at one point or another? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I pushed my sister out a window. Wow. I didn't go that far. Just I... down the stairs multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> she always slid down on her butt. Dang it. <laughs> We immediately went into problem-solving mode and tried to revive her. Smart. We called her name. Someone made a wet compress uh, from the water fountain. We shook her. And finally, one of the younger kids, a three-year-old, gave Martha a popsicle uh, that someone had bought from a Mexican street vendor. We placed it into her hand, and that was enough to revive her. It wasn't until high school, when I brought up that story, did she tell us what happened to her. She said she remembered walking and then being hit by the swing. The world went black, and she saw a light. Martha said she was drawn to the light, and so she went towards it. During her walk in the tunnel, she saw people dressed in all kinds of clothing from different eras and ethnicities (laughs) and speaking different languages. They seemed happy and were all in a line. She had no idea where she was or why everyone was waiting, So she went ahead to the front of the line. At the front, there was a rope. I mean, what is it like a movie theater or like concert rope? Like a bouncer Or like getting into a club. Yeah. Like a VIP club, like Beyonce's in there and you can't get in. (laughs) (laughs) Then she heard a voice telling her that it was not her time yet and she had to go back. At this point, she was confused. How is she going to get back home? She was just a little kid. So a helper was sent forth to hold her hand and guide her back down the tunnel. As she neared the end, she saw her body with all of us over her. She didn't know how to get back, but the helper, she realized it was an angel, told her to jump back in. When she saw the popsicle being placed into her hand, she said it felt like an anchor and it drew her back into her body. I'm so glad she told us her experience, but I'm even more glad that she didn't die that day. I can only imagine how much trouble we would have gotten in. (laughs) Most important thing. (laughs) I feel like 
you hear stories like this and you're like, sometimes you're like, whatever. But the popsicle is an interesting detail, don't you think? Yeah, it's not a detail that I've ever, I don't think, heard before. But I haven't read too many or heard too many near-death experiences besides what seems to be sensationalized on TV shows. But, I mean, it makes sense for a child. Like, But I, I also have to wonder... Who placed the popsicle into her hand? Like, who would think to do that? You know, like, know. that's such like a weird it's... thing. Like, I wouldn't want to touch the body because <laughs> it could cause brain damage. <laughs> okay, but you're a kid. Like, are you thinking about that? I was. Oh, wow. Well, no. <laughs> um, lucky for Martha, somebody placed the popsicle. Well, I don't know. I think a young kid, like, well, they said that he was three or she was three years old and decided that a popsicle would make her feel better. So maybe it's like, maybe their parents give him popsicles to make them feel better. And he was just like, here, maybe this will help. Mm -hmm. And then Martha was like, ooh, yeah, I want that popsicle. It's a mystical popsicle. Magical. Life-saving. I keep waiting for your monkey to, like, turn its head and look at me. (laughs) It's kind (laughs) of creepy right now. It It reminds me of Bigfoot. (laughs) That's Funky Monkey. Oh, okay. I've had them since I was little. Is that a flavor of Ben and Jerry's? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Makes me ice cream. We were too poor for Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have that until I was in college and I could spend my own money on what I wanted. Exactly. Ice cream and cigarettes. And they were like, shit, I also need textbooks. Oops. Yeah. This ice cream's really hitting the spot, though. (laughs) Makes up for the C grade. (laughs) Well, we got talking, um, and then Sarah shared a little bit more of her background, which I thought was interesting, so I'm also going to share that with you. Again, this is in Sarah's words. A little bit about my background. My ethnic... Why do I... Ethnicity. And why do I have to do this to say words? I don't know, but it's like you're stabbing somebody or slamming down a gavel. I'm like... Pulling on a train. What is the... (laughs) When you break up a word into... Syllables? Syllables. I gotta... Act out the syllables. Whatever you need to do to speak. (laughs) My ethnicity is Hmong. (laughs) The Hmong people traditionally believe in the spirit world and shamanism. My great-grandfather was a witch doctor. My father remembers his grandfather going into seizure trances if he did not sacrifice a chicken during the right time to appease the spirits. My family came into Christianity when the spirits began to take the form of animals and started attacking the children in their small village back in Laos. My grandfather started a sojourn to solve the problem of attacking spirits after his daughter was attacked by a crane-like bird and died. He went all over Laos to uh, to pray to various deities, but nothing worked. My dad said in those days everyone would lock themselves in their houses as soon as night fell. You could hear the spirits take various animal forms, mainly dogs at night. They would howl and bang up bang up against the homes, seeking their way in. It wasn't until someone suggested my grandfather talk to the American missionary who talked about someone named Jesus. The concept of Jesus freeing and taking away all bounds was revolutionary in my grandfather and to my grandfather and great grandfather. Shamanism ruled their world and they had to do everything that the spirits dictated. They became Christians, and my grandfather went on to convert his village and many other villages to Christianity. This is not a religious podcast, but this apparently worked for their... Community. Community. Yeah. Which is interesting. If nothing else, I mean, 
kind of says something like there is some sort of spiritual world out there that we don't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Then back to Sarah. I don't know if it's because I am only only a generation removed from the spiritual belief that makes me more spiritually sensitive, but I am. I am careful about the books or shows I read, watch, because if they deal with the d- demonic world, I am more prone to end up dealing with some kind of evil spirit trying to smother me in my sleep. Side note, my little brother Sam is a pastor in a large Hmong community in Minnesota. Many Hmong people still practice shamanism. He told us about a Hmong witch doctor who couldn't go to a funeral because it was being held inside of a church. The witch doctor said he had too many demons inside of him, and if he stepped foot into the church, they would take over his body and put him in a seizure trance. Sarah ends with, sometimes I doubt that there is a God, but then I hear something like that and think, surely there is a God, because why is there so much power in Jesus' name? Why is there so much power in a church building that a witch doctor who knows he has demons in him and willingly invites them in can't step foot into? That's my favorite of her stories. I think it's really fascinating. Like culturally and Mm -hmm. it just makes me want to talk to those people and ask about their experiences. And I mean, because I've never dealt with anything like spiritual warfare to that level or even kind of even thought that that was real you know yeah i mean you think shamanism you don't i don't know it's just something you don't think about people still practicing i guess no yeah lots of places in the world still do yeah so thanks thank you sarah yeah we appreciate you sharing these stories with us it's really personal and um fascinating Mm -hmm. and we appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed this short story and if you have any experiences of your own feel free to email us at mysteriousafpodcast at gmail.com bye bye <laughs>